0: Hello friends, welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is 3PL outsourcing trends with my friend Ben Steffis. Ben is Vice President of Managed Services at Coyote Logistics, a leading global third-party logistics provider. Coyote has revolutionized the logistics business, and they continue to be one of the leaders in the space. In the podcast interview, Ben and I discussed 3PL outsourcing trends gleaned from Coyote's recent study called Supply Chain Outsourcing for the Win. There's some very interesting insights. Please take a listen. But... Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tomorrow. Website is tomorrow.io. Tomorrow has developed a weather intelligence and climate security platform that is custom-built to help logistics and transportation companies to reduce the impact of weather on their operations. The cost of weather-related accidents, delays, inventory damage, service failures, hours of service problems, they're enormous. But what can we do? We can't change the weather. But we can do a better job of planning around the weather. And that's exactly what they do for you over at Tomorrow.io. They have their own satellites. This is the next generation of weather forecasting. Check them out at Tomorrow.io. I will put a link in the show notes so you can reach out and talk to them. So how's it going, Ben? Great, Joe. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate having you on. So Ben, please introduce yourself and your company
1: and where you're calling from today. Sure. My name is Ben Steffes. I'm the Vice President of Managed Services at Coyote Logistics. I am uh, currently calling from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, just uh, about 10 12 minutes west of Milwaukee. Do you have a Chicago office? Yes, correct. Yeah, well, that's that's Coyote's corporate headquarters in the, the beautiful city of Chicago. How often do you get over there? A couple times a week. Uh, we have most of our employees that are back in the office Tuesday through Thursday, so it's great to see everybody uh, back on a regular schedule and, and seeing the friendly faces and enjoying the, the corporate atmosphere that we have there.
0: I've been to, I have family in Wisconsin, so I've been through Wauwatosa many times to that whole area. Beautiful, beautiful area. Very much, I always say Wisconsin and Michigan are very similar in that we're manufacturing states. We're both on the water
1: and used to the cold. Yeah, yeah. the The Midwest and certainly this winter was a long one. Happy to be on the other side of it. Yes, yes, yes. So Ben,
0: Tell us a little bit about Coyote. What do you guys do over at Coyote Logistics?
1: Yeah, so we are, I mean, most most widely known as uh, the third largest freight brokerage in, in North America currently. We offer a number of services that are include, including, but not limited to, of course, uh, LTL, truckload, and intermodal brokerage. We are also a subsidiary of UPS, dating back to our acquisition in August of 2015. And, and through that, that acquisition and afforded us the ability to um, really kind of expand our, our footprint and our reach in the logistics space. But our core competency is really on that truckload brokerage model.
0: Yep. I have talked to so many people who are former Coyote people who joined early on and I've not had him on my podcast. I've not spoken to Jeff Silver, but he is one of the legends in this business. He was the founder of Coyote, but he had done Really, am I wrong to say Coyote kind of had one of those Chicago-based companies that had a different approach to freight brokerage? Starting, I'm going to say twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're going on seventeen years here. So back in 2006, yeah, it, it was a pretty you know incredible experience to get to come into the logistics space working for Coyote in a you know a Silver Family startup. And and Jeff and Marion really started off by you know thinking that they were going to go to the market with the software, you know a, a a software system for brokers, and kind of pivoted quickly once we realized there was still a need for a strong service-based truckload brokerage in the market. So that's the how Coyote was born, and and since 2006, it's been one of the the many factors that differentiates us from our competition is the you know the service that we bring our customers, that you know committed attitude that where we don't really give excuses and, and uphold our co- our commitments to our customers contractually and otherwise, but also, just the the people and the culture that the company was built around is something that really helped us get to the point that we're at today. Yeah, and correct me if I go astray because I I hear a lot of
0: things and I hope it's not just all hearsay. But you know, a lot of freight brokers, there's twenty thousand of them out there. Yeah, I think they're growing. When many of us, including me, think we'll have fewer freight brokers in the near future, but I think when we have times of tight capacity, new ones pop up. But a lot of freight brokers right now, freight brokerages, they say, Okay, we're gonna hire we're gonna hire Ben and we're gonna hire Joe and they're gonna they're going to be responsible for their own sales. And you make a ton of phone calls. I make a ton of phone calls. We network, we get on LinkedIn, and we grow that business and we're responsible for moving that freight once we've won that freight. So and as we get bigger, we might have assistants that are assigned to us. But we build our own little PL right. within the company. And a lot of ownership to that model, and I think there's some value to that model, but I don't think that's what you guys do. I think you have the other model, which is we're going to have a a full team that's going to go after sales and account management and customer service with specific
1: roles for all those people and a little different model. Am I right to say that? Yeah, that's accurate. And one of the, you know, in addition to the, you know, not being in the cradle to grave model so to speak, I think is yep. what you were outlining. Yeah, we have, you know, our customer operations and then the carrier and customer sales and the carrier operations and sales sides of the business, but one of the 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 nuances of Coyote and one of the things that is again, you know, really improved our ability to service our clients and and the shippers that we partner with as well as the carriers too is just the centralized model of our, our organization. So you're gonna have one, you know, points point team, point of contact. You're gonna have one, you know, large group that's all working in concert to cover your freight, to to work with the right carrier partners that we know are going to do a great job servicing it. And that centralized model affords us the ability to not really compete with one another or with the other you know, 15 offices that we have around the US um, when it comes to capacity. So we all work together towards the same goal of finding the right carriers to service our customers. Right?
0: I think I think the model, and I've always heard it called the Chicago model and then the other one's called cr- Cradle to Grave. So Cradle to Grave is where I'm responsible for everything and I grow my own little P&L within the business. The problem I have with that is that if that guy decides to quit, mm-hmm. and and he's got all these people working with him, but also you're getting inconsistent delivery in my mind because one team is focused a little different than the next team. And by the way, I've had tons of freight brokers, the owners, call me over time and say, you know, he was great. These guys, my guys, are great when they get here and they're hungry, but as soon as they get four or five clients, they all slow down. And I was like, why well, they servicing the accounts? They go. Yeah. They aren't getting new ones. So I was like, well, w- day one, he's got no customers. So right. of course he's a hundred percent focused on getting new customers. But once I've got five customers and I'm busy moving freight and the, the upsides, unless you give him an assistant. And again, I like, I like the idea that I have, you know, a guy who's the single point contact, but also a customer service team if necessary. And, uh, the finance team and the analytics team i like having because if somebody ever you know should leave the company it's the right. nature of the beast i don't want the customer going oh my god ben left
1: right what are we going to do now yep exactly <laughs> yeah obviously no it's a good point obviously you know we're partial to the to the way that we run the business but we think that it absolutely Lends itself to to scale and growth with their customers, while you know dealing with turnover, as as it's always an ever present uh, problem in any market, uh, especially the one that we're in right now. Um, it's important that you have that consistency and the cross training and the team that can pick up the pieces no matter what's going on.
0: Yep. And so you guys, I think, were one of the creators of that model that we just described. And and am I also right to say this? And again, st- shove me back in the yeah. shallow end if I belong there. But you're one of those freight brokers I think that started off saying, "Okay, we know we're going to sell a ton of Chicago to Atlanta. We're going to go out and buy that from carriers in bulk even before we sell it."
1: Yeah. Yeah, we 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 definitely work to source capacity based on, you know, where the where the the customers are or the shippers are moving freight in our network and from the start we had shippers that were highly you know centralized to that kind of Midwest region or Chicago to Atlanta. So we did partner with and, and you know brought a lot of relationships by way of the leadership team who who started coyote to the table that that you know w- led us to those carriers in the Midwest outbound. But really the model that we focused and, and they focused on building coyote off of was that backhaul model. So we have carriers that are getting empty in a certain space place. We want to get them back home and utilize that capacity as much as possible to try to eliminate those empty trucks traveling around the U.S. And again, the customer base that we originally built the business off of was one that was, you know, centralized, heavy outbound Midwest to the, the southeast and, and back. So, yeah, the backhaul model was one that, that really helped us grow, you know, grow and scale the business.
0: Yeah, I think somebody said this to me before, who was, um, I, may, I think it was Chris Pickett, who has been on my podcast, he's a Coyote guy. And I think he said that he, that Jeff Silver had been at a company called American Backhaulers that got bought by C.H. Robinson.
1: And then this, then he started Coyote after that. Correct. Yep, exactly. Yeah, Jeff, I think they sold the backhaulers in 1999. And, uh, you know, he took some time off, went back to school, got some, some degrees and then came back and oh yeah he's he went he went to uh, i think uh, mit and also my beloved
0: university of michigan yeah wolverines yep yep i love the football
1: team and the more than i like the rest of the school usually but <laughs> <laughs> well it's a more exciting generally more exciting uh, thing to be a fan of Exactly.
0: So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you got your current gig.
1: Yeah. So I, I grew up in the you know the suburbs of Milwaukee. Went to school at University of Wisconsin at Madison. Very nice. Yeah. Are you jumped around? Jumped around, yes. That was a, <laughs> a frequent weekend activity back in the day. I only get back there every now and then, but it's, uh, badgers are still near and dear to my heart, obviously. But yeah, I, I found my way to Coyote right out of college.
0: Now that's one of the great college towns in America, I oh, always hear yeah. it. And I've not been there yet. And again, I have family over in Wisconsin, so I have no excuse. But my family's in Milwaukee area, not up, not up there.
1: Yeah, it's tough to beat. I mean, I've, I've certainly traveled to a few different Big Ten schools in my day, but I it's tough to beat Madison, on a, especially on a football game day. And there were a couple days during college where they had football, basketball, and hockey all on the same day. And those are some pretty fun ones to, to be a fan yeah. during. Yeah, I have have nieces and nephews who went to school in Madison, loved it. So, yeah. Anyway, so what would you study at Madison? Yeah, so I, interestingly enough, as with a lot of people in the supply chain space, did not study supply chain activities in college. I was a psychology major, thought that I, you know, was a part of a few different research labs that at the time were studying how competition affected participants' ability to Perform different tasks that we had them go through during the lab. So, anyways, the it was it was absolutely a part of kind of my nature just to be in a competitive and you know quick paced environment. Thought that I was going to go the research route and ended up taking a, an internship in in uh, transportation and sales, kind of a dual role. Uh, during college, and then found my way over to the business side of things, and found that I, I really just appreciated being in the, you know, the business community out of that internship. So then, interviewed with Coyote during a career fair, and and have been there ever since. So it's it's coming up on on twelve years here in the next couple of weeks, actually.
0: Really? So you were there before UPS bought Coyote. How early
1: on were you at Coyote? Yeah. So I, I started in 2011 and that was, you know, four years prior to the UPS acquisition. So coming in, it was a, a really exciting, fast paced, you know, entrepreneurial environment, which is exactly what, you know, I think both, you know, myself and a lot of my peers who are in the training classes around me were looking for. We were, you know, part of the first training class that was at our, our now corporate headquarters in, in Chicago as they transitioned out of the, the Lake Fort office. So it was just a, you know, I can't say enough about the the culture and the atmosphere coming in as a new hire back at that time. And then, you know, we knew that we were all working towards the goal of, of sale or, or, you know, going public. And it was one of those things that, that, that atmosphere really drove a lot of the pretty, pretty awesome behavior that we all got to grow up in at Coyote.
0: So were you, uh, were you afraid when UPS bought, because UPS is
1: obviously a massive yeah. company.
0: And were you afraid? Oh my God! This the the party's ending now. As UPS is buying us,
1: <laughs> yeah. There, you know, there is always talk around the water cooler, the proverbial water cooler, that you never know what was going to happen. But I think one of the things that that UPS, to their to their credit as well as our our leadership, recognized that the Coyote brand and the culture that was built around that brand was so important to the continued growth and success of our organization that you know the 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 UPS you know, the parent company, let us continue to, to operate within, uh, obviously within their bounds, but within, you know, the, the culture that we had and we continue to pull that thread through. So it, it really, I think it's been extremely beneficial to both parties since that acquisition 2015. Like I said, to their credit, they've, they've continued to let us be Coyote and, and do what we're great at.
0: Well, the fact that you
1: didn't leave tells people <laughs> quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, you look around the, the, quote unquote room of, of leaders that are that are at coyote, many of them were here prior to that acquisition and it's it's a it's a real tell that we still all believe very much in, in what was built and what we continue to, to try to build together. So it's 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 just a fun, you know, group of people to be to be a part of. So today
0: we wanted to talk about 3PL Outsourcing Trends with my friend, Ben Steffes. And so Ben, you guys had just recently done some research and then published
1: that research in a report. What's
0: the name of that report?
1: Yeah. So we it's called uh, um, Outsourcing. Excuse me. I just need to get the actual name here. but <laughs> Right. Uh, one's we'll there. put a link. Yeah, we'll put, we'll a put a link, link in the in show there. notes. But yeah. So we we recently published this study. It's it basically, like I said, it's it's outsourcing with different 3PLs and, and shippers that we interviewed. So we, we took a poll of, of 505 different different shippers, varying in shapes and sizes, and in all different industry verticals, leveraged a, a third party to reach out and actually pull those shippers on a, a list of questions that we put together to really try to tease out the details of what shippers are looking to the market to get from third parties. You know, what what areas of their supply chain are they outsourcing? What Which ones are they trying to insource or continue to insource? And then are they, in fact, continuing to invest in the supply chain sector of their business? Yep. And...
0: I think it's important to note that it wasn't necessarily saying this is just about transportation and warehousing. It's about outsourcing in general. Right. Which, and before we hit record, we were talking about this is that we use different terms for companies. So I'm from automotive. Automotive, everyone say that's a manufacturing industry. No one says otherwise. But yet when you buy a computer, it is a technology company. Well, they both are built. They both have a ton of tech in them. And I think you could call virtually all these companies, all our kind of supply chain companies. And, you know, if you look at a lot of computers now, they are built by outsourced companies. But when I used to build cars in Asia, those were built by third parties. I remember being in Europe. I think at one time it's changed because Chrysler's changed hand a few times. But I went to Graz, Austria. Every car sold in Europe that was made in Europe and under the Chrysler brand was made by Magna. And you don't think i mean that's massive assembly plants but the, but that is not un, unusual that you use third parties so the rise of the supply chain is is everywhere and i think uh there, when i was getting in, when i was in school no one said supply chain in fact i was in my 30s the first time
1: somebody called me a supply chain guy and i did not understand the reference right yeah <laughs> well and, and it's especially I mean, it's funny when I, you know, reference my my collegiate education, it's one of those things where it was similar at that time. I mean, supply chain has had become more of a topic and it was a part of the business school at Wisconsin, but it was typically just a class and not a whole, you know, career track right. or, or something that you focused on. But yeah, it's becoming more and more of a hot button topic, especially when you come out of a, a tumultuous supply chain environment like we had, you know, during and, and there shortly thereafter COVID.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting how this speak of automotive for a moment, just because I understand it better. You have manufacturing and you have engineering, but purchasing, which used to be kind of, um, you know, a lesser organization, grew because we were buying more and more from outside companies. So procurement, purchasing, whatever you want to call it, continued to grow. And then they ended up with like transportation being kind of part of that. So a lot of the people I worked with in purchasing and procurement in automotive, they would, they would swap out and do jobs in transportation. And you knew to get to the next level, you would have to go out and do supplier quality. You would have to be involved in uh, maybe something with the plant, something with engineering, something with transportation, but it developing that supply chain and the supply base. And that, again, you look at the automotive supply base, it's TRW, Magna, JCI, these are massive billion dollar companies. Right. And those are strategic, strategic relationships that have been built over decades. And that's I'm just talking about one, one company. So it got it's gotten a lot more sophisticated. I think they are asking so much more of us who are
1: in the 3PL space. Right. Yeah, and that's what we saw in general from the study. Which I'm gonna I'm gonna say the name correctly because my marketing team will probably come back and, and send me a nasty gram after if I don't. But it is it's called "Supply Chain Outsourcing for the Win: How 500 Shippers Are Using Three pls Today." So that that's the name of the article. But anyway, so yeah, I think when you look at that, you mentioned a term that's that's oftentimes thrown around the transportation or supply chain industry, but strategic partnerships is something that that is really important, and we're seeing from the shippers that we polled, there's a continual investment over 50% of them over the last two years and 52% over the last two years and over 50% of them in the next year are planning to increase their spend with third parties. So those strategic relationships that you reference are becoming vastly important to the success of the overall supply chains for these shippers that that we're talking with. And again, that was irrespective of industry vertical, of size of the corporation. People are continuing to invest in their their relationships with the strategic partners that are helping them drive their supply chain. I think the other thing that's it's important to to note is that while supply chain has or transportation, if you will, has historically been a, a cost center. We're seeing organizations that are investing in their teams and investing in improving their capabilities turn that cost center two into a you know what is now a competitive advantage for a lot of them, and it's a differentiator in the market. Yeah, I,
0: I'm of course going to botch it, but I used to see this quote, and it said, you know, companies don't compete, supply chains compete. Yeah, and you know, I'll use the automotive uh, example one more time. At one time, Ford Motor Company, when they started, they were 100 percent vertically integrated. They had trees that they cut down Mm -hmm. for the wood they they even opened up um in brazil rubber tree plantations i mean, it was ridiculous but i think at that point they were saying there's no one around us who can play at our at our level i suspect the tech companies when they started off if you were apple or microsoft i think they probably felt similar who is who can work with us right but now you you start to see industries very quickly develop um, supply chains around them. Because I think the expectation is now is, hey, we're a tech company. We're not going to build a whole bunch of brackets to hold our stuff into into our product. I mean, we're not going to start doing injection molding. We're not going to do a lot of the stuff that supply chains should do for us. Right. So I think, and I think it's also very normal now to say, by the way, I was at Manifest last year and I didn't. I didn't get to see the entire speech cuz I had to go somewhere else but one of the people who was speaking was a vice president of supply chain from a hospital chain. Okay. And we go, "Wait, wait, do they have a supply chain?" <laughs> I, I I guess they do. Yeah. A- and so yeah, the the uh if you were to say that 20 years ago, they'd say, "No, we have procurement." Right. Yep. But and I think the outsourcing trend in general we all have to concern ourselves with it because some of it's getting outsourced to us, but anything that's getting outsourced elsewhere means we're gonna we're gonna do that transportation. Right. So we need to concern ourselves. So so we had a few points we wanted to talk about. So what was what would be the first trend that you'd you guys covered in your article
1: yeah the the first thing was just pulling people you know at a base level do you feel like your leadership at your corporation is aware of the you know the importance of supply chain and is has you know the knowledge base to articulate what is exactly going on in that space 79 percent of the the respondents said yes our leadership is painfully aware of (laughs) oftentimes painfully aware of how important the supply chain is and 81% of them believe that their, they're, you know, their leadership at the executive level are continuing to invest in improving their capabilities in that space. And then it really transitions into kind of what's that blend of in-house versus outsourcing that you're, you're looking into to doing. And then, like I said, that, that was the biggest thing where we saw over 50% of people over the last two years and in the, in, in the coming year are continuing to invest in their relationships externally with third parties to help, you know, supplement their team's activities.
0: And that and that could be we outsource something to China or we got a new warehouse here in the U.S. It's just outsourcing in general. But again, I think I think most transportation logistics is outsourced. So we anytime you hear the word outsource, we're like, yes, that's that's good for us. <laughs> so. So that's the first thing which uh, you you'd use the term balanced approach. What is what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So when we looked at and got really pointed with the questions to the respondents at what activities are outsourcing. So we pulled them on 21 different activities that are, you know, would be categorized as supply chain activities. The there was not a consensus that they are mostly outsourcing or mostly insourcing. In fact, it was really kind of a, a 50-50-ish or you know, forty-sixty-ish split with the most consistent activity that was, I guess, erring on the side of outsourcing was procurement. But in general, there was de- this blend between all insourcing and outsourcing. And like you said, there's transportation certainly is outsourced. There's a lot of things in the supply chain that are for for a manufacturing company or retail company. But um, it was really the blend that was kind of the, the consistent message is that no one feels strongly one way or the other on our team or someone else doing this all for us.
0: Yep. And you know, I could look one way to look at Coyote is you guys are a procurement company. You procure trucks for those guys and you are experts. So I, I would rather trust you than trust our in-house team because you have built this carrier network over decades and I trust you. And by the way, every once in a while, I hear somebody say this, not often, but every once in a while I hear somebody say, well, we didn't, we didn't screw up our carrier did. I was like, (laughs) <laughs> you you picked the carrier,
1: dumbass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, oftentimes you get in you get into a room and, and you're discussing with a shipper, you know, what's the value that a broker brings? Why don't I just go to asset? There's margin on margin at at play here. But right. the you know, the simplest answer is that we have, to your point, the scale and density of a network that is, you know, ten thousand plus truckloads a day. And so our purchasing power, even with the assets, obviously is able to, you know, leads us to to more negotiating power with those, the carriers in the community. And we can offer a lot of different benefits from a cost standpoint, when you're talking about just the the sheer scale of a company who's, you know, $5 billion plus in revenue. So. Well, yeah, there's another aspect of it when I say,
0: hey, why do I need you guys from my Chicago to Atlanta? I'll just go get a carrier to do it. And you're like, the carrier already sold us that capacity. Yeah. That's why you work with us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we are. And the
0: reason they sold it to us is because we bought every lane for the next year at a very good price, a fair, fair price, we'll say. Yeah, right, fair. Yeah, market. Market. Fair. And as a result, they don't have to have a huge sales team over at the carrier. By the way, that's one of the things I hear sometimes from carriers say to me, Joe, we just want good shipper freight. And I always say, do you have salespeople? No, <laughs> the website that attracts people. No, I was like, the brokers are your salespeople. I, I get it. It's a real tight margin business. So we have this relationship that we really, the truckers need the carriers. I mean, I'm sorry, the truckers need the brokers and the brokers need the carriers. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's an interesting dichotomy, but uh, it's, it's one that obviously if if a shipper partners with the right, you know, the right 3PL, it can, it can be a very mutually beneficial relationship. So we know this, they, people are, especially since COVID, more
0: concerned with how are we performing in supply chain there, and they are investing. There is a recognition that we need to improve in this function. And some of it's going to go outside and some of it's going to, some is going to be built internally. And, is that spend going to go up in the supply chain? Are we going to see more spending on the supply chain or less?
1: L- more, yeah. So, like, a, it's that was a trend that was very consistent across almost a hundred percent of the respondents. It was over eighty percent of them said that we're going to continue to not only add headcount to our supply chain teams, but we're going to increase our spend with external providers, and we're just going to increase our, you know, our overall investment as an organization in the supply chain space because of that recognition of how important that that function of our business is to to our success. And I think, like I said earlier, just the, the tumultuous supply chain environment that that was a result from COVID was was really a you know a painful recognition that this is something that we really need some expertise in in order to deliver and, and service our accounts and or excuse me, our customers and also just maintain inventory levels. And, you know, there's a warehousing component and all of those different aspects of the supply chain that shippers recognize that's something that you can't just turn a blind eye to. Yeah. And I think there's probably more and more
0: of recognition by the shippers that there are big players out in the logistics and warehousing space and the transportation space that have grown enormously sophisticated. I would say 10 years ago, this space was way behind in terms of technology. Spend, and understandably so, because the nature of it, I always say we're the out. We're the outdoor factory, but it stretches a thousand miles, thousands of miles across the world. And it's hard to get everybody connected. But now that we are, if you're a a shipper and you say, well, you know, we've been using Coyote, but we can go lose them. Yeah, you can. But it might mean you're spending a lot more on technology. You're going to have to hire a whole bunch of people, stuff that previously happened Using automation, using a a, a team that's expert. Now we're going to be breaking in our brand new team without the technology, without so many advantages that a a coyote would bring to it.
1: Yeah, and you know, when I when I think of uh, even you know, twelve years ago when I started at Coyote, thinking back to technology, it was really it was a competitive advantage and a differentiator in many ways for Coyote at that time. But now it's really table stakes to have you know, a digital shipping platform for, for, you know, clients to log on to and get a quote and move freight on. And so that's not necessarily the differentiator. It's the, you know, there is certain aspects of the technology that can uh, help separate you from the rest of the pack, but it's more so just the service, the rates. And the experience that you know, you an end user has on your platform and with your brokerage product, with your you know your transportation product, with your consulting product, whatever it might be, that ends up leaving a lasting impression and really drives those going back to the term, but strategic relationships for future opportunities. You know, we recently went to market uh, with uh, a self service TMS platform called Go Premium that. It it was it's meant to target those you know SMB and, and middle market shippers that previously you know really couldn't afford a an expensive software platform to execute their transportation on, and now we have a, a great place for them to start executing a routing guide, getting some insights from reporting around their network, and centralizing their visibility and control. So I think you know that oh, previously you're also
0: streamlining the process. Yeah,
1: it it, it that previously was something that that someone had to develop and now it's kind of table stakes, but just creating that overall experience for someone within the ecosystem of a strategic partner is important for, you know, fostering a, a long lasting relationship as we hopefully both grow, grow together.
0: So that software, you give it to them for free? Yeah. Yep. So it's a TMS, so so they can use it. So let's just say I'm a, a small shipper and I say, well, I'm not going to buy my own TMS. I don't have the money for that, Yeah. but I'm growing and I know I need a TMS. So I'm doing 20 LTL shipments a month and
1: 10 truckload. Do I have to use your all your carriers, or can I put my own in? Yeah, it, that great question. It's it's a carrier agnostic tool, so they can bring to the table any number of providers that they'd like. Obviously, we you know we hope that they end up using Coyote, and, and candidly, that's the the goal is for them to have a great experience not only with our, our technology but also with our carrier side. So we obviously are providing them the ability to get Coyote rates, but they can choose to use whoever they would like. Yeah, well, I I I know people are listening,
0: going, "Oh my God, that's that's just so they know what everybody's doing," but do I really care if I say I already had negotiated rates with the LTL companies yeah. and I already had rates with these ten, the, the for these ten lanes? If if I get a message from Coyote saying, "You know, we could have saved you a thousand bucks last month," am I going to go, "Oh my God, that's such <laughs> that's ridiculous"? Yeah. So I'm going to go. Wait, I can blow that thousand bucks on food and shelter.
1: Right? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's true, and it, you're not hurting my feelings.
0: I don't feel tricked. I knew the deal. <laughs> yeah, it's.
1: I mean, the the way that the market's going, it's 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 granting our shippers, and and shippers want this is they want access to as many competitive rates as possible while having the option to choose who they would like to to service their freight, and that's really what the the end game is. And we hope over time, obviously, if that, that ends up being Coyote as their choice, but We got to prove that first you know yep yep and
0: again i think this is this is going to be an important way for companies to grow i hear other people doing similar things but i like it because it gets the tool in everybody's hand and we start to see technology becoming absolutely almost the norm for even the smallest shippers right so are we going to see more spending overall with 3pls i know they're going to spend more outside are they going to spend more with 3pls
1: Yeah, yeah when
0: i say 3pls i mean Transportation companies, logistics
1: companies, freight
0: brokerages, warehousing. Yes, yeah.
1: And the interesting, I guess, you know, trend that we saw was that while there's an appetite for reducing the number of three PLs, you know, most of the shipper respondents were saying, Hey, we would love to find somebody who does it all, right? We want a one-stop shop, we want somebody who has you know, if you if you think about it, Coyote could check all of these boxes, but when it came down to the decision-makers saying, are you going to increase your spend with a single provider or spread it out? They were increasing their spend with a larger number of 3PLs. Overall, the trend is, yes, we're going to increase our, our spend with 3PLs in general across all of those things that you just outlined. But there was an appetite for and a recognition of uh, identifying you know partners that have the ability for them to be that one-stop shop should they choose to, to go down that route. Right.
0: And um, that's the one throat to choke yeah. theory and I like it. Or somebody said on my podcast, no, 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 Joe, it's one back to pat. <laughs> there you um, go. I, that, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> a little more positive. But by the way, I maybe it's because of where I came from, but I don't understand the transactional nature of our business sometimes because I haven't said it in a while, but I'll say it today. If, I'm working with you and I have absolutely all of your shipments, I'll have to go back to that 20 LTL and 10 truckload and I dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. We're going to be a a day late on getting something delivered that was absolutely critical. I'm going to call you and say, I'm so sorry, we're going to reduce the cost on that one. We're going to rebate you this. If I don't have all of your business and I, I have to be the lowest price, I'm going to have I got to win it every day. First off, I don't have that. I don't have the familiarity that I should with with your with. And I don't have a carrier that I can build that relationship with either because. We're not running that lane on a regular basis, so we're more likely to screw up. And then am I going to give you a rebate? No, because you're not going to work with me anyway. I always say it's the, it's the difference between being married and and casually dating someone. When your wife is sick you're like oh we are staying in this weekend we're gonna get the wife feeling better i will i will become the nurse and doctor at the house casually dating you're like oh okay i hope you feel better yeah (laughs) yeah
1: well no it's it's an important point and and for us as you know as a, a broker right On that side of our business, density is extremely important. Density and consistency are important for us finding the right providers. So the more of that that we have in a region, a lane, a corridor, whatever that, you know, grouping of lanes might be or singular lane, the more of that that we have, the better it is, the easier it is for us to identify a carrier that will service that business in a highly effective way. So. Obviously, we we prefer and seek out partners that are interested in in working with us at a large scale, but yeah, it it is the nature of our business that it's largely transactional and you got to figure that out too.
0: Yep. So I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions is a nearshore, offshore service provider, and they provide a range of services, including operations, technology, marketing, sales, and business process outsourcing. They work with over 500 U.S. transportation and logistics companies. And what they have is this model where they have satellite offices down in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. And their their approach is real low cost, low risk, low hassle. They have 9,000 employees now. They're one of the fastest growing companies in America. And again, everybody I know seems to be working with them. But if you're not working with them, check them out. Lean Group, L E A N Group.com. And by the way, my podcast is edited by someone from Lean, Lean Solutions Group. They're a fantastic company. I just did an interview with Ryan Mann. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check them out. So I know you guys have it all figured out. The bigger companies can manage any way you want to work with them. But um, again, I, I highly recommend people pick a you know, and by the way, if I have to pick one partner, it means I'm also going to vet people very well because because I'm going to be joined at the hip with them. But um, so there's another topic here that I wrote down before we hit record, and it was procurement. So that was
1: another trend. Talk
0: about procurement.
1: Yeah, so procurement was the one area of the 21 different supply chain functions that there, were most, there was most consistency or consensus across the respondents in that they look to outsource that to a third party. And I think a lot of the things that we've discussed today are, are contributing to that, that response in, in that obviously you're looking at a third party who's, we are a procurement organization inherently as a broker, that's what we're doing every single day. So I think there's a recognition that there are the purchasing power and then just the consistency and frequency with which you're purchasing transportation in a third party is something that shippers identify as a value-added service. So that was the one area that we saw the most consistency across the groups. And it was actually air and ocean, ocean actually having the the highest outsource procurement at like 31% of the respondents so that they fully outsource that. But it was uh, like I said, the the one area that shippers were consistently saying, we're looking to, for someone to to outsource this to exclusively.
0: So that makes sense to me because I think there's a recognition now, like if I was right now had to go buy hospital equipment. I guess I could go online. I could start Googling stuff. A sales guy stopped by last week. I could call him back. But do I know how to buy a hospital if right. I'm brand new there? No. But I guarantee there's companies that say, we we are soup to nuts. We do it all. And I guarantee I could talk to a few of those companies and get comfortable with one and say, I'm going to buy you know, maybe exclusive to all, you know, one, one company or pick, you know, a few that is going to manage all of my purchasing. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the for instance, our, our, you know, RFP management service that we provide a, a, a host of shippers that we work with, it's still a very much a collaborative approach, right? I mean, we're doing the, we're going out there and, and procuring on their behalf, getting rates. We're, we're working with the carrier network that, that we uh, obviously have a vast one with over 70 or 80,000 carriers. I forget the number to, that we're up to today. But it's still very much a collaborative approach in that we are presenting award scenarios for our shippers to go through with us. and And it's not as if outsourcing means you're losing control. In fact, it's generally pushing more control your way by tooling you with the information that you can use to make some strategic decisions based off of.
0: Oh yeah, got From my perspective, I can't imagine of being in a big company and saying, "Oh, I, we're managing it all in house." Because my concern would be, you only can get as good as what you're learning in house. You're looking at Coyote; they're learning from thousands of customers. I learned something down the hall, and that's quickly applied everywhere. I, you know, I, I think, oh, I think we should add a new field about this, and yet Coyote did that four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah so anyway ben um one more time on that title so marketing
1: doesn't kick your butt yeah so it is and i'm going to pull this up again just so i have it's called supply chain outsourcing for the win how 500 shippers use 3pls give us your final thoughts on that wonderful document and again we'll put the link to the show notes yeah i think like i said it the the general outcome of the study was that there's a recognition at shippers in all of all shapes and sizes and all different industry verticals that supply chain is an extremely important function and to run a successful business, not only to run, but to grow a successful business. So they're increasing their investment and spend in the supply chain sector. They're also increasing their spend with third parties to help them, you know, supplement some of their supply chain activities because they see the value that third parties can bring. And it's not a one size fits all approach. There's a there's a blend in the way that shippers look to insource versus outsource. But the one area that you know we saw consistency and, and think three PLs can add a lot of value is in the the procurement space. So
0: excellent, excellent. So tell me a little more about Coyote. What are what are your different types of businesses that I know you probably have more than one division? What is your, what is your four, three, four, five areas? Yeah.
1: So, you know, we have, like I said, we have the the customer and carrier sides of the business. Obviously customers broken down by by different segments or, or size of the, the customers. And the carrier side is our focus on, on the carriers who are very much our customers as well. They're the ones that we're trying to maintain capacity, build and, and maintain and build relationships with, just like we are on the shipper side of the business. We also have a really large part of our company who's focused on you know, servicing our parent company during that, that peak time of the year. And that's that's an interesting thing that we've recently gone to market with called Specialized Logistics Services. So that's a new division that includes, you know, really the the managed services group that I oversee. It's our attempt at going to the market with a very unique, different types of capacity solutions that we've developed through our relationship with UPS. You know, through peak season and everything, we have access to a ton of leased trailers and leased equipment. We have, you know, we can create dedicated fleets. It's really kind of the nuanced capacity that typically... Our shippers are looking to find in the market outside of a bid cycle. It's hey, we have a project we're standing up or closing a new warehouse or DC. We need some help there. It's the the capacity and then also the technology in the managed services group, such as our our you know our managed transportation product, that new Go Premium self service TMS as long as as well as Coyote's C T M product, which is Coyote Transportation Management, which is your kind of standard you know managed transportation platform and team that backs the business. And then it also includes our supply chain consulting team. So we do have a full consulting group that can run network optimization, you know, network analyses for our customers that they're typically looking to open up a new warehouse or like I said, close a new, close a warehouse, whatever it might be, but they want to know, you know, where is real estate labor and lead time to my customers. How do all three of those blend together and find the best place for us to lo- open up a new distribution center? But that's the the kind of the third tenant. So it's really capacity, technology, and then the consulting group that we have under the, the specialized logistics group. So
0: what, what other divisions do you have besides the specialized?
1: So we have our LTL, or obviously the less than truckload group. We also have intermodal uh, division and yeah, that kind of rounds it out. It's really, you know, the, the customer, carrier, sales and operations, specialized logistics services, and then the other, the other modes. Now, do you manage, say, tr- a transactional business too? Yeah, absolutely. That, that really falls underneath both of the, you know, the customer and carrier operations uh, responsibilities. But we have those kind of, you know, dedicated enterprise size accounts, and then we have the, the transactional ones as well.
0: Excellent, excellent. So it it's it's interesting until you said it about the specialized division, I never th- thought too much about why would UPS be interested in buying coyote. They do have um enormous needs themselves for trucks and also for probably LTL. And um it's probably spikes a lot of times probably during Christmas and other times of year. And how do you manage that? Yeah, you know? and, and that I is think-
1: you know. Obviously, in addition to the brand and and the technology and everything that Coyote had built prior to the acquisition, it was really the support that we provided UPS as a carrier during peak. That was one of the lead-ins for that acquisition. It was all the you know the millions of miles of of support that our our line haul carriers are providing them during their peak season, and that you know operation uh, a massive one that our, our UPS ops team runs every year, in conjunction with our counterparts at UPS, that was really the unique types of capacity that we realized, hey, we can go to market with this. And, and shippers are are in need of all of these things that we do during a few months of the year, all throughout the year, right? So it's it's going to the market with that.
0: Well, I need, I need to be able to ramp up and ramp yeah. down without having to let go hundreds of people. And you're like, hey,
1: that's just what we do every day. Yeah. And one other, you know, under that, that we affectionately call it SLS or Specialized Logistics Services at Coyote because it's a little bit of a, a mouthful. But one of the other things that is has really started to take off is just our synergy efforts with our counterparts under the Supply Chain Solutions Division of UPS. Obviously, Coyote is one of those those business units in that group. And are, we're starting to, to, to really go to market in concert with the other SES business units to offer customers that full end-to-end supply chain capabilities that, you know, the global logistics and distribution and global freight forwarding business units of UPS offer. So we are one of the few providers out there that can collectively tell a customer in confidence that we have not only the technology, but the capacity, the operations and the assets to do everything for you from, you know, end to end.
0: But this is increasingly important. Years ago, I was talking to somebody, one of your competition, not on the podcast, but separate. And I, I mentioned, I thought that they specialized in transactional. And they said, well, the, they said not so long ago, 10, 12 years ago, we did a lot more transactional business. They go, the entire market is moving to more strategic. And when they say the entire market, I'm really thinking the top Twenty thousand companies that spend you know 50 million or more on transportation logistics the 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 smaller onesie twosie companies are going to the smbs sometimes they were going to have the the strategic relationship might make sense for them but might make a little less sense where you're like hey we're not going to invest a lot on your end for their two shipments a month but you want to work with them because they could grow that's why they need to use your free tms yeah exactly (laughs) it's
1: Yep, that's exactly right. Excellent,
0: excellent. So, Ben, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you who are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview on my podcast?
1: Yeah. So, one person that that I've had the pleasure of working with recently, not a coyote, but is in the UPS family, is Shane Boyles. He's a director of corporate strategy at UPS, and I think he has a lot of interesting perspectives from from his seat at, at UPS that he that he may be able to be able to offer on the, on the podcast. So, I think he'd be a great person to interview.
0: I would like that very much. You gotta make me make the introduction for me. So uh, what conferences will we see you guys at?
1: Um, you know, that's all, a good point. all of them. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much all of them. There is we do have a page on on coyote.com that'll actually show you the conferences that we are attending coming up. So it's underneath the the resource center. So I'll i direct you to that to that page to to see which conferences it will be at. But we yes, we have representation at generally most of the big ones.
0: So if you were kind enough to give that to me, I will put that in the yes. show notes. So people can reach out and see you guys. But I've, I've been to conferences. You can't avoid the coyote guys. Yeah. They're going to be there.
1: <laughs> we like to make our rounds and 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 meet people and, and socialize for sure.
0: Well, next week I'm going to be at TMSA down in Savannah, which is where it seems half the half of the logistics world lives these days. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a nice area. It's not bad. And not too shabby. They don't get they don't get snow and cold, though. I'm not wild about that. <laughs> I want my face to hurt from the cold. Yeah, you gotta so. you have to be
1: <laughs> pleasantly surprised and like really relish in the summer months. Exactly.
0: I have a friend from California and she lived there her whole life, and she when she moved to Michigan, she said she was in her 40s, and she said, You know, in California you're really kind of chill because the weather's always nice. She goes, in Michigan, as soon as like the first nice day of spring the place explodes. Everyone's out to the lake, picnics, parties, like nonstop. She
1: goes right to the coldest coldest days. I know the number of restaurants that open up a patio for one warm day and then they have (laughs) to shut it down for another (laughs) month. It's it's sad, but it does make those days that much more special. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So I will put again, a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your, your report that you'll send me and a link to your events and any other links you and your marketing team give me. And um, I love what you're doing over there, Ben. Congrats on uh, congrats on that growth. And again, I think so many people, I, I, I'm outside looking in, but you see an acquisition and you go, oh, okay, I guess Coyote's just gonna evaporate inside of that big company and who knows what's gonna happen. But it seems like you guys are, are thriving in the in this new relationship.
1: Yeah, it's been. I, I mean, it it is pretty. It's a great sales tool to be able to to say, you know, that we're a part of the 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 big brown network or behind the UPS shield. Yeah, but,
0: ex- exactly. When they say, "Can you get me it? Can you get me a?" can you help me out with a small parcel here? Like, yeah, I know some guys.
1: Yeah. 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 We have <laughs> access to a, a decent number of assets. that can help you with that. But it is, I, again, it, to, you know, to the credit of of UPS and, and Coyote leadership, the ability for us to maintain and, and continue to grow our brand has been something that's, it, it's just been made all the difference in the world for us to, to continue to do a lot of great things for our shippers and our carriers. Excellent, Ben. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it.
0: Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.